0: I remember my my dad, even though we we ran a pub, trying to talk me out of it, saying you'll never have a life and you'll always be working and blah blah blah. But you know, I still managed to have a life as well, and you know, I still managed to go and watch my favourite football team and have a family and a, a child and you know, build relationships with people. It's still it's still, uh, it's still a thing, it's just maybe not as much as the normal nine to five, Monday to Friday worker. Hello, and welcome to another episode
1: of the Burnt Chef Journal, hosted by myself, Chris Hall, the founder of the Burnt Chef Project. This week's guest is Lee Evans, who joins us from Bath. He talks about his journey in hospitality, starting off in a pub, at very early age. Lee talks about his desire to achieve accolades having won the acorn award and also working hard to achieve three rosettes at a pub in Wiltshire. Lee shares some quite honest and open experiences and the resulting impact that chasing accolades has had on his mental health and well-being and talks openly about the way in which it's impacted him, his career, and also his personal life. I hope that you enjoy this week's episode. And stay tuned for more as we release new episodes twice a month. On the surface, we at Weston are a leading global frozen potato product provider. But hospitality is in our roots. We are helping to chip away the stigma of mental health in the industry. And truly believe in well-being through potatoes, which is why we are in full support of the Burnt Chef project. If you want to find out more about how we provide well-being through the humble potato, or try a free sample of our award-winning products, such as our proper British chips, The Dukes, follow us on Instagram at UK. I'm
0: Lee Evans. Um, I grew up in a, a family-run pub. so from the age of seven. Uh, grew up in a little, little place in the countryside um, near Cheddar, uh, not far from Axbridge, to be honest. So, nice little country pub, kind of got stuck in. There was nothing to do when I was growing up. So, it was like literally, we were on the middle of nowhere, one bus a day or something like that. So, there wasn't, there wasn't much to do, so I'd, I'd get involved straight away Um just be interested, really. Every Sunday, making Yorkshire puddings, that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know, making cakes, that all those little things you're kind of interested in as a kid. But I was kind of lucky, really, that I had a pub kitchen to do it all in. Um, and then I, I started to get really, really interested in it. I was running like a Sunday night service when I was like thirteen. Um, you know, it's, it was nothing special. It was home cooked food. It was, it wasn't like, you know, accolades and all that. But you know, it was, it was wholesome food. It was all cooked from scratch. It was, it was good stuff. And it was a really good opportunity for me to learn really young, really early. Um, I remember I used to work with my dad in the kitchen, kind of put him in his place on the other side of the kitchen, basically. So yeah, I was, I was really lucky, really lucky. My grandparents owned the pub. And we kind of ran it as a family. Um, I went to catering college and then in Western Superman. Um, won a chef of the year competition in the first year. Um, beat kind of all the part-timers in the year threes and the people above. It was judged by the head chef of the Royal Present at the time, Stephen Blake. Yep. He'd been there for, I, don't know, I think, 18 years. Bit of a legend. Um he basically said, if you want a job, when you're done, give us a call. And, you know, at that age, all I wanted to do probably was go and work for someone like Gordon Ramsay in London. And that's kind of, that was the dream. And I went to Patrice for a couple of days, did a stage, and it just wasn't for me. Um, but I was probably just a bit soft, to be honest. It was, I grew up at, like, with my whole family... And then you go into the the London way, I suppose. And it was a real culture shock for me. Um, So I got in touch with the Royal Crescent and did a couple of days there. And it was just more of a family. It was more the kitchen team was a family. You know, the the sous chefs took you in and looked after you. And they put me overnight in the Royal Crescent. And I think I was 17 at the time, maybe turning 18 and I think, you know, getting put up for the night in the Royal Crescent Hotel was pretty cool. Um, Yeah, yeah. They'd send send me up room service for breakfast and stuff like that, and I was just a bit taken back by it all. And I kind of felt settled within the first day of being there. So I was, yeah, buzzing to, to start there, and I worked there for five and a half years. So I think three years was under Stephen Blake, which was incredible, you know, a young kid learning... All these old school, old school ways. He was very old school in his mindset and his food, which was really good for a young chef. You didn't get to learn kind of classical ways of doing things. But then Gordon James, who you know, he's got his own restaurant in Bath. He was he was sous chef, um, and he was starting to put his own influence on it. So I was learning, I was learning kind of Gordon's ways, Stephen Blake's ways, and they were coming together on the menu. and, And Gordon was then kind of taking over, writing all the dishes. You know, we we were then doing that as a team rather than it was just Stephen Bates food. And I think that was what made me love it because I was given a little bit of kind of independence really young. And Gordy let me do a couple of dishes at lunchtime. And I think I was only 19, I think, at the time. and, And that was massive, like huge for me. And yeah. It's a real, like that age, when you're working in somewhere as prestigious as that and you get, you know, those opportunities. I was, I was really lucky, but I would, you know, I'd come in on my days off all the time. I was quite into pastry. So on my days off, I'd be in learning pastry. And then I got to take over pastry section for a little bit. And, yeah, like I said, I was there for five and a half years. Um, I left when Gordon left and Gordon went off and did his own thing. And then I... Took over the checkers in Bath um, really young, you know. I was, I don't know, twenty-one, that, turning twenty-two maybe or twenty-two at the time. Stupidly young, it was a real boozer, backstreet boozer. Um, I, I used to go on Friday nights with the boys from the present after work, and you know, it wasn't. It was a spit and sawdust pub at the time. So then I took on this opportunity knowing they wanted to make it a foodie pub and I was probably naive and thought, yeah, I can do all that at that age. And I just had to grow into it, really. I was really supported by the Bath Pub Company that just bought it at that time. So Joe and Justin, who own Bath Pub Company, they massively supported me. They didn't really have to do that. They took on this young head chef and gave me an opportunity and And we kind of grew the business together, which was really cool, to be fair. You know, it started down here. We got national acclaim and we got 288 Rosettes. And then we finished, I think, number two in the the TripAdvisor yearly poll of, like, best pubs to eat in the UK. And and it was just, there was just stuff happening all the time. Um, And I did five years there. And I just kind of took it where I could take it, really. I, I couldn't see it going any more than that. Um, Joe and Justin were obviously happy with where it was, but I was young and wanting more accolades and more everything, as you do when you're young. So... That where, that's where you won
1: your A- ACORN award as
0: well, was it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, amazing, you know. Again, I wouldn't have been able to do that without Joe and Justin and their support. Um they, they backed that all the way and I wouldn't have had that kind of pedestal to be seen if they hadn't have given me that at a young age. So that was really cool. It's really cool to say you've got, there's not many people, who have got it. So it's nice. It looks nice in my lounge. I'm proud of that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we kind of went our own way. I've stayed in touch since. Yeah, really, good, really good friends with Justin and yeah. Great guys, they've gone off and done amazing things still and you know, they're progressing all the time with their sights. And then I I kind of thought I needed to go back into a hotel as a head chef. You know, I'd worked my way up to Sioux level with Gordon at the Crescent, and I just thought, well, wow, I need to see if I can do it on the big scale. Can I do the afternoon teas, the room service? Can I cope with all that, beating the team? So I went to Coon Grove in Brassknocker Hill. Um, it was one of those kind of promised the world opportunities and it started well and and then all the promises didn't happen. There was supposed to be millions of pounds of investment and that kind of came to a halt. And we kind of agreed, you know, it wasn't going to be what they want and not what I want. So we parted ways and they sold it at the same time as I left, really, which, which was an absolute gutter. Um, I built an amazing team, and it, I kind of had that time to really discover what mine and the team's food was and what it could be. And I, I suppose working at the Checkers, I was always chasing and chasing, and we'd have, we'd get two rosettes, I'd want three, and I couldn't understand why. And, and when I look back on it now, and I, you know, me and Ramon, my my Sue, you know, he's worked with me for three, four places now. And um, he's gone off now to do his own thing, which is really cool. Um, we look back at the food now and go, do you know what? Yeah, we were just young. And you look at the food and think, yeah, they were right. It, it wasn't through Reset. And, and we just progressed. And when Coon Grove were deciding to sell up and we parted ways, I... Saw an opportunity at the Methuen Arms, which is Um They'd literally just taken on the property. It's where I live in Corsham and I kind of, I had a whole team ready to go that, you know, wanted a new opportunity as well. So we all basically went as a team to the Methuen and, yeah, we built something amazing. It was incredible. It was Really, really good. You know, I loved it. Kind of the place that feels like home. I went back last week actually for dinner for the first time since I've left and just that kind of place that you think, yeah, I miss this place. Is it's, it's just a great place to be. You know, you turn up in the morning, an amazing property. And um Wow, well, it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah beautiful. Absolutely brilliant property. Miss it, love it, but I did what I had to do there and worked my way yeah kind of slowly evolving there and each year we'd we'd do something else and we chip away at it and we got three rosettes which is kind of my what I'd always wanted for my career Um, never really chased like Michelin stars or anything like that too much but for me like if you're cooking at a three rosette level it's an amazing level to cook at really great and I think everything else just can come along with it then I was probably chasing a lot when I was young and had a kid since then, and you think there's more important things than chasing accolades and being in a book. You know, if you're cooking great food and you're busy, that's kind of more important to me. So mm. that's what we were. We were cooking, you know, great food as a team. Um, really proud of the team that we built. And I worked my way up, and we last sort of 18 months, I decided I'd take on a, a GM role there. Um so I was still the head chef, but also general manager, and my sous chef stepped up, and the junior sous stepped up, and and yeah, it was a it was a learning curve, I suppose. Um, it was it was amazing. I've I, I learned loads, you know. There wasn't enough time in the week really to do everything, you know. I think uh, I learned for the good, and I learned for the bad. Put it like that. Um,
1: it's a it's a different role though isn't it like i mean from hearing your journey and it's it's something that's resonated throughout the industry is that you know you, you chase the accolades you chase these opportunities to move up the chain but yeah being either a head chef or a gm or in your case both at no mm. point have you said, oh, I went on this amazing training course in terms of how to manage uh, people and, you know, build communication skills, manage budgets mm-hmm. and stuff. Th- these are all sort of things that you either learn from what you can throughout your journey or yeah. you learn in the deep end.
0: Yeah. And I and I think, you know, working at the and you know, they're doing lots of work with Burnshed Project now, which is great to see.
1: And I think it's kind of like,
0: I've been unfortunate, you know, if if there was more around of that when I was there, and so I might still be there now, who knows, but you know, I don't have any regrets. It's just, there was quite, it was quite a lot for one person to take on and, you know, maintaining a level. We was, you know, in the background, we were pushing for four rosettes actually. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to match, you know, Hand and Flowers. I wanted to be, you know, a great destination pub as well. You know, we were busy locally. So, my next step was to take it to the next step again. Um, and we were chipping away at that. We were, we were doing all right. But I think there needed probably to be a little bit more support for for me and the rest of the team because it was quite a lot on my shoulders which was then reflected on the team and probably the way I was with the team which is not really how I wanted to be but yeah it is what it is you know we we parted ways last year i went on to open up a restaurant locally um local businessman presented an opportunity to come and open up a restaurant with him um and yeah it it hasn't worked out i've left that i've left that property now you really, you know, I've learned a few things in this one as well. You know, you've really got to know who you're, who you're go, who you're going into business with, and trust them. And and I work with people that want to do something good and want to do it right. Um, and I've left for that reason that I want to do something right. Really, you know, it's got to be right by people. It's got to be right by suppliers. You've got to treat the suppliers how you want to treat your staff really because they're just as important you know you look at you look at the scenario we're in now suppliers last week on their knees you know people Mm. are chefs you know chefs ringing up where's my order where's my order well how are they supposed to cope with the demand that was set last week crazy it's a it's a tough it's a tough
1: tough time for I mean, it's a tough yeah. time for the industry, especially with resource shortages yeah. at the moment and people on the front yeah. line. But yeah, I mean, yeah. having worked in the wholesalers for 10 years, you know, you sort yeah. of uh, wince at the thought of, um, you know, them having yeah. to get... Because also the producers as well, you know, it's not just the wholesales. There's a whole supply chain. It's the producers it's who are yeah. suddenly having to try and predict demand where there hasn't been
0: any. And I think that's a big thing in the news as well, you know. All you hear in the news is... Uh, about hospitality and the hit but you don't you don't get given kind of the the structure downwards and what I, what impact it has on everything else downwards and someone like me I, I really like to use local suppliers um, I love it to be honest I love supporting people that I can call my friends and I you know I I got into a into an opportunity with with people that weren't of the same mindset and that was a shame for me, but there's kind of bigger things in the world and, you know, I'm going to move on to something else, hopefully a lot bigger and exciting and hopefully be able to support those suppliers again because I can call all, to be honest, I can call all my suppliers, my mates, you know, meet up with them out of work. And I think that's really important when you're running a, an independent restaurant, or pub or, or, anything because you you're so reliant on them you know if they're not supplying you with the goods that day then you're nothing you know you've got nothing so
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah uh, having first hand experience
1: with you know hundreds hundreds of chefs yeah um yeah you definitely know who you go <laughs> who you go over over beyond and mm-hmm. above for and yeah. uh, you know who those who will scream and shout at you in order to try and <laughs> of get you to do what what they want you to do um but it's not until yeah. sort of starting up this venture that i suddenly realized that actually those you know those out there who are giving their suppliers a really fucking hard time and who are you know just and let's not beat around the bush you're being dicks to their suppliers it suddenly gets yeah. me thinking like what pressure and what what must they be going through in order to to react like that like they must be under an, amounts, an immense amount of pressure yeah and I'm not saying that that's a correct way of dealing with things and it's the same way as you like the way that you speak to your staff you shouldn't you know belittle yeah. or talk down to or you know be aggressive with your staff but yeah. also at the same time I think perhaps that's telling us a story about what the industry is like you
0: know yeah of course and so it's a lot better I mean since I started to where we are now you know it's a different mm. it is a different world but it's still there's still so much to change there's still so much that people need need to realize and you know you see so many properties last week opening up and when they opened up outside just saying please be kind to our staff you know they shouldn't they shouldn't we shouldn't be in that position where we're asking people just you know joe public to be kind a front of house member of staff it should just be normal and yeah yeah it's not it's not you know you don't see Sainsbury's, tesco putting out ads saying, please be kind to our staff like this you know we, we don't treat people like that until we sit down in a in a pub or and we think we've kind of got ownership of it almost and because we're we're buying a product but it's the same as going shopping in retail that we don't we don't treat people like that. And I think that's where there's a big impact that needs to, be, needs to be talked about, but it also needs to be kind of, I think, we like to be hospitable. You know, hospitality is about welcoming people and be hospitable. But sometimes, you know, that's hard. <laughs> sometimes that's really, you know, it's really difficult because you meet people from all walks of life. And, you know, not everyone's right and not everyone's wrong. But I think there comes a point sometimes where people are wrong and, and if it's if it's rude and obnoxious, then there's nothing wrong with pointing that out and saying, come on, give, give these guys a break. you Because know? you wouldn't, yeah. like I say, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it buying your food in Sainsbury's, which is, but you see so many people in hospitality doing it. You see people you're sat eating your, in eating your meal and you, you can hear people on the other side. just think, come on give it a break don't don't be a
1: dick yeah don't be a dick like like you know people are busting their balls to to give you yeah, the best absolutely. experience of, of the day or of the week yeah. and you know yeah. I think that I uh, and to be fair there are a lot a lot of the general public who do you know respect and who are polite for but I think yeah. that there yeah. are those who's it's sort of I think it's if they were to do a day's work to, to do a day's work in hospitality and then come and give a shit afterwards and then like let's let's see how you get on let's see what we yeah. we put ourselves through our bodies our minds our relationships our finances everything else that goes with it yeah. um we do it because we love it and we do it because we've got yeah. passion and we want you know we want to be able to provide people with the best experience possible but yeah come come and come and spend a day in our shoes and then see if you still want to give us shit afterwards
0: absolutely absolutely and uh and i think then probably opt out of that one you know. <laughs> well yeah I, I, I there's
1: a lot of work that we need to do in, in terms of um changing the the overall behavior of, of the general public with i think the industry and one of the things i'm working on at the moment is doing a video with um funny enough tommy heaney he's gonna play the leading man in it but it's about like educating the general public as to what goes like more goes on behind the scenes and you might realize you know when you get that plate of food it's not going to be a case of it just suddenly magically appears or a drink it doesn't magically appear in front of you and there's no effort or work or creativity that goes into it
2: yeah
1: um but it's also about the personal sacrifices that we make in order for that to happen and i think the general public just needs to be a little bit more mindful and potentially even pay more pay more for what they're getting as well because it's a skill, yeah. it's an art form and, you know, we're a creative industry full of diverse individuals mm-hmm. but we're skilled individuals, you know it's, yeah, this yeah. isn't magic yeah.
0: that you see in front of you Yeah No, I, I totally agree I mean, I've actually now, you know after the restaurant, I've I've come out of it for a little while um, I've been given an opportunity to work with Clarence Court Stenge Farmers and I've been doing some consultancy work with them for 18 months or so now to work on their their cooked egg range and getting some more um, products and food to go and just adding some value, really. And, you know, they've given me an opportunity. I'm, I'm loving it at the moment. Um, yeah, to, I'll be brutally honest. I couldn't think of anything worse, really, than, than opening up hospitality, knowing what it was going to be like. And that I think is the sad thing that probably you know seven years old working in the industry and I'm 33 now and I couldn't think of anything worse than this onslaught of people coming in after this last 12, 14 months, you know, I've, I've spent time with my son that I would have never have spent time with, um, he was two, going on three at the start of the pandemic, and now he's four. And I've seen him grow up loads. That's to me massive. You know, it was it was if there was any plus to take out of the last year, it's that um, I'm separated with his mum, so it's not the easiest being a chef, balancing your time, bringing up a four-year-old who starts school in September. So yeah, I've I've taken. An opportunity to do a, develop, a development role for a little while and there's plans later on in the year to look at opening somewhere else um, fairly locally but in the meantime I'm really enjoying what I'm doing getting every night off it's a bit of a bit of a blessing a nine-to-five life at the moment so I get every night off and every weekend off and yeah
2: I'm,
0: I'm enjoying it I'm also learning loads about a completely different side of catering, basically learning all about the retail side and working with big supermarkets, working partly in a factory, partly in a development kitchen. So yeah, I feel like I'm not starting again at all, but I feel like I'm adding a kind of feather to my bone, learning a complete different aspect, but gaining loads of experience really quickly because i'm being thrown into the deep end and i have to learn quick so i'm I'm there at the moment it's an interesting
1: thing that you're saying because one thing that we're doing like imminently in fact in the next seven days we're going to be launching a survey to try and find out where the where the hell people have gone to and we know through conversations like at the moment we're in we're covid covid aside we're in we're in a pickle you know the industry is severely understaffed under resourced and we know through Mm -hmm. general conversations that it's because of you know a b and c Mm -hmm. but we're actually going to produce a survey to try and get around as many thousands of people as possible to put some actual data to it and like one thing that i'm quite interested liam based on what you've said is like if you were to go back into hospitality now like working you know for a restaurant um, whether it 's chasing accolades or just doing good food like what what would it that you would need to see or that you would like to see in a sort of a, a, an ideal world would help encourage you back in
0: i don't know i, I think I think of work life balance as i 'm getting in, you know turning gray and turning into an old man I think of work life balance is really important and I think that's important as well to attract people coming into the industry. You know, why should this industry be different to not all, but nearly every other industry? You know, why should you have to work five splits or five AFDs or have to come in on your days off all the time because that's what the company expects of you because you're in a senior position. And I think that's that's wrong. It just needs a reset, and I think it needs a reset from top top level. Uh, I think you know, big boards, so you know, owners of big companies need to start seeing that people are human beings. You know, they're not robots. And I think sometimes when you don't see, if you're part of a, a consortium or a board that owns a big group, for example, you don't see all the stuff that filters down to the bottom and how it gets delivered to them. And That I would say is the the biggest thing that people need to do and people at the top need to do, need to appreciate that more. You know, you're going to invest a little bit more in the people and you'll get some more back. You know, I've seen lots of investment in properties over this last 12 months, which is great, but then you see these properties have no staff. So the customer is going to go into these properties and go, yeah, this looks great, but I can't actually get served because no one wants to work in hospitality. And I think that investment would be a lot wisely, a lot more wisely spent on people, on more training. On Joe and Justin at the bar, pub company, they they do a great job in kind of rewarding in terms of they take. You know, they do supplier days, they take people to the Barcelona, you know, and they go to wineries and stuff like that. But those little things are, are important, I think, in recruitment. You know, why why do I want to work all day with nothing other than a minimum wage to take? What else is in it? What's the scope? Where could I get to? And most companies give you that kind of structure at the beginning well this is where you could get to but there's nothing in between you know it's it's always the the classic carrot that's always dangled and there needs to be less less carrots yeah as much as i love carrots you know generally but you know less carrots in the industry and i think we'd we'd get on a lot better
1: and also less less sticks as well there's the, the carrot yeah. or stick method or hand exactly. stick method yeah. whichever way round it is is an old outdated way of doing things and yeah. funny you should mention you know uh, Buckham because I've, we've been doing a lot of work with them in terms of yeah. you know not not only just de de-stigmatizing mental health but you know their learning development team and people team there have really hit the nail on the head in terms mm-hmm. of how do we get individuals trained up to the hill so that they're like resilient and so that they know what they're doing and they feel competent but what else can we do in order to be able to be a leader in the field and you know make sure that people are staying with us long term and it's that mm. progressive thought thought process and progressive structural process that we're starting to see echoed around the industry so there's a lot of people yeah. out there at the moment you know that are just sort of going well we need that we know we need to change we know we need to keep hold of people but hospitality is not renowned for necessarily keeping hold of people with a, a turnover rate of 130% in, in many businesses.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're sort of sat there scratching their heads going, Oh, like, what does that look like? Like, we don't know any different. And that's where, yeah. you know, the burnt chef project is trying to educate. And it might, you know, it's simple changes. Like you talk about work-life balance, mm-hmm. cut down the number of covers that you do and people yeah. are like, like, but we'll make less money, but then you won't be paying as many staff. You, the staff that you have got will be happier because they'll have a more uh you know capable workload and then the profits the profit margins will still stay the same so you'll still be effectively yeah. making the same sort of money but yeah you'll just have a happier and healthier team that will stay with you for longer and then you can duplicate that across different models you know
0: yeah absolutely and and that kind of goes back to what i was saying from coming from the top you know people at the top they see numbers you know, and, that's, and that's all and that's what they see you know i worked in a, a busy busy property where you would get text messages from people above what what figures are we on from yesterday what and that kind of added pressure it builds up you know at the time someone like myself you're probably thinking yeah great he, he's smashing it he's, he's doing everything he needs to do he's really hitting the numbers you know all, all good but when you're doing six seven days, and you've got the added pressure of your phone buzzing off in the first thing in the morning. What what did you take last night? What's booked today? What's the kind of thing well, you know, give give me a chance, you know. And you can only do as a human being so much. Um, and I think really that's kind of where I hit the wall is the pandemic and going into lockdown and never ever ever having a break between jobs you know so everything i've done really has had quite longevity um and then i've gone 100 mile an hour into the next project and next project and i think stopping kind of made me go ah, okay that wasn't right that wasn't damn right and you know that i hold my hands up the stuff i've not done right and Why would I do everything right? But there's a lot, I think, that could have been done, you know, not by my employers, just my employers at the time, but I think nationwide, you know, you see different companies that let staff go, you know, before they even gave furlough a chance. And um, I think there was a lot more support that needed to happen then to their teams and they would all be in a better place now. You know, because those people at the top, they carried on working. You know, they were working out day to day. All right, it was, you know, stressful, and it was a different type of stress because they were trying to work out how they'd survive. But they had to also think about the day. You know, unless they thought the world was going to end. But we all knew there would be light at the end of the tunnel one day how did they ever think they could open pubs or, or clubs or restaurants again? And did they think that we were building robots for 12 months whilst we were shut? Or You know, I think they realized that too late and something they can take from this going forward, all these, the bigger companies and the smaller ones, because the smaller ones probably did some shifty stuff with furloughs and stuff like that. So I think there needs to be lots of lessons taken out of this. You know, they see the government saying they're going to have their investigation into everything you know hospitality needs to reset as well and have their own investigation into what why are we in this mess now and you know, why why are chefs mm. leaving why Chef why, have, why has someone like me gone actually i'm gonna i'm gonna cop out for a little bit because this is a bit rough you know there's a reason and and there needs to be more understanding.
1: It does. it does. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that we will, we'll address with this survey. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do some guidance off the back of it as well. I think yeah. the businesses that did did look after their staff throughout furlough and, you know, did things like the wellbeing check-ins and use the services that Burn Chef Projects you know, produced yeah. as well, I think are the ones who are coming back with, you know, perhaps a 5 10 15% dropout, but they're not like looking at completely restaffing from from the start again um and so i think those 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 businesses are the visionaries and i'm I'm quite happy to recommend any business that that i know that did do that because Mm. i think the employers like that do need do need the you know do need the staff and they are i know that the people that go in there will be well looked after so but uh, you talk a little bit about sort of hitting a wall i mean Covid, the Covid furloughs and stopping for the first time was was tough for a lot of people. But I mean, what was your yeah. what was your experience? Perhaps you know, if you just start from the the first first few weeks of someone who's been chasing accolades and been working their ass off, uh, you know, ever since they got into this industry, what was that yeah. first couple of weeks and, and
0: a full stop like for you? Well, I think it was um, it was a build up to that, to be honest, for me and. Just overworked, over invested mentally in one thing where I should have been able to have the time to be able to see everything in life rather than just tunnel vision. Um, and I think hit, hitting the lockdown was just the right time for me. You know, I, th- I think it might have been a bit worse if it would have stayed open and I think the wall I would have hit would have probably been a bit bigger so I think um, I think lockdown was just the ending of something that was built up for a long time um, it gave me time to actually realise as well because when you're so invested in something you don't realise your tunnel vision I would know, go to work, I love the property still still love the property I love the people I was working with And I think for me to let my guard down felt like I was letting my team down. So, you know, we we discussed off this mental health and where I've been at and where I am at. And, you know, I I would say that most of my team had no idea what I was personally going through because I don't know, you, you try and be that person at the top that's invincible and he's got everything and, And you know, they don't, at the end of the day, they don't want to look up to their leader thinking,
2: it's
0: good all, it's good all go to shit in a minute because he looks on edge about something. And I think you just hold it together. And with the help of medication and and all these things that keep you ticking along that kind of no one knows about, you then feel like, right, I've, I've got this. I can. You know, I'll take a tablet once a day, and that'll that'll sort me out. I won't I won't lose my shit today, or I won't have a wobble today. Blah blah blah. And and you do, and you get through each day, and then that builds up, and it builds up, and it builds up, and you get to the point then where you don't see anyone. You know, you're in a lockdown at the beginning it was proper lockdown, and you were locked in your house. You can only go out once a day, and blah blah blah, and spend time with my lad and watch him grow up and and then you think, do you know what yeah it wasn't right really and then you've got to kind of do something more serious about it I think and you know it's not just a case of going to the doctors saying yeah don't feel great I need some tablets, it's then what can you do yourself, you know what can what can I do personally that's going to help old noggin and I think you know that I was coming to that realization that unless I was going to get more support in my current role I wouldn't be able to do it going forward you know it's a, it, was, it was too big for one person and I try and keep myself busy through lockdown so I would go we had a kitchen garden that I'd put in on my first year that was just like really flourishing by then so I was keeping that maintained you know as my daily thing to do so I would pop into work and do that and then I look back at it and I think that probably wasn't helping you know popping back into work every day to do that seeing progression but not being able to open and then also really what I could have done is just switch off totally and that probably would have helped a lot more so you know, it's it's not one thing's fault or one person's fault it's just a build-up of things and yeah it was pretty rough went through some rough times but a lot a lot better now so
1: i'm curious and and just really for for my own curiosity but also for others who may have been experiencing yeah what was it that you think so firstly how long had you been feeling like prior to, prior to lockdown, how long had you been putting that band aid over the top and taking medication for, you know, just to be able to
0: cope on a daily basis? Probably um, taking medication for eight months before COVID hit. And I'd say like mentally struggling for 18 months before it, maybe two years, possibly. Um, I, One thing that really sticks in my head is I'd worked my nuts off to achieve three rosettes, and it was always the the pinnacle for me to to achieve that, and something I'd worked really hard to do. And not only that, we we achieved it in a place that would do a hundred for dinner, and to do a hundred for dinner and at three rosette level was was quite an achievement, and. Mm. It was an achievement just for me, my team, the company, everything. And I think when we achieved it, I was just in I was in the wrong place and I actually wasn't bothered. And that to me was the was the point where I'm like, there is a problem because I should be absolutely buzzing and shouting about this every day. And I wasn't, I wasn't, it was just literally. Yeah, cool, done, next. Right, what's next? And I think not only was I putting the pressure on, next. People above me were also putting that pressure on as well. What's next? What's next? And there wasn't enough of a, there wasn't enough of a kind of, not literally, but enough of a party from what we'd achieved. You know, we should have have enjoyed it more. We should have took time to actually go, this is massive. Like what we've done, this is amazing, and that's like I say, it's not just one person's fault. It's it's a mixture of everything, but that's probably where it started for me. I'd say. Yeah, and uh, it's and it's not just hospitality. That that that. Um,
1: so there's there's what the two things. There's one thing that you said that seemed to link to this, which is yeah. you know, at the top. If you show mm. you that you're infallible and that you're invincible, mm. then people look up to you and they respect you. Yeah. But also on the flip side of that, if you are invincible and you've got this persona that it shows that you are capable of taking on more, yeah. then there are always going to be. And I know through personal experience of of hitting targets, smashing targets, and going, right, you seem to have coped with that really well. So here's some more. Because yeah. you know, we would know if you weren't well, because you'd say something, or if you weren't yeah. coping. Yeah. When you are at the top, and as you say, you, the per- perception is that vulnerability is a sign of weakness. Hmm. Often enough, then it, it's just going to further compound the issues that you that you've got. So it sounds yeah. sounds to me like you'd hit burnout, you'd hit burnout oh, chasing that that, that absolutely,
0: acronym. absolutely. And you know, my old man would probably say, "Told you so," because for those few years before it, he, con- he was constantly recognizing that. You know, I don't get to see much of him they live an hour away which isn't far but when you're working in hospitality you don't have much free time so yeah we, we don't see massive amounts of each other probably once a month but that's enough for him to pick up on stuff that's not right and and he was probably the one that kicked me up the ass to actually do something about it um and I cut you know one of one of my friends who's in hospitality as well not many people I've not really spoke about it too much to be honest you know most of my team wouldn't really know about it um one of my friends who works in hospitality you know really successful i kind of felt like i could probably talk to him so you know he knows about it a lot of my other close friends don't and i think what i'm trying to get over from this is that if i can talk about it in this open way like this someone else can as well you know i'm not I'm not important. I'm no more important than anyone else. You know, you should be able to just talk about it. As I said about you know sitting at the top and trying to act like nothing's wrong. But I think as well, you can be guilty of not realising who needs help in your team. Now I always try to be quite close with my team and, and know, but you don't always know. You don't always know what's going on in their head, what happens when they go home and blah, blah, blah. So I think there needs to be more leaders at the top at my level, leaders at the top above kind of my level as well, that need to just be a bit more human and less robotic and realise that people aren't just a number and, you know, they've got added qualities as well that you might not be seeing the best out of because you're not investing your time and getting the best out of, you know, but I, I can tell you now, if if, if I, I'm i still on medication now, if I go two days where I didn't take it, I'm, I'm a dick. You know, I, I, I feed it straight away. And I think mm. that if I'd have known that there is something out there that can give you a little push and a little bit of help, I'd spent months talking to my old man about it and he's like, just do it, it'll be the best thing that you've ever done. I was like, I'm not gonna get controlled by a tablet or anything like that. But to be honest with you, this—I'd—I'd I'd give that advice to anyone now. You know, don't don't be, don't shy away from it. Don't be embarrassed. Don't think that you're weak because you've had to go and get help. Now I've heard so many people in the industry, some people I work with that see it as like a weakness, but yeah, is it? You know, does it make me any less of a man is it gonna make me cook worse no and I think people need to open their mind a little bit more about it and, and you know and if it's if it's brutal then it's brutal it's it's life isn't it life can be brutal but you know you might you might pick someone that's not the best person to speak to and they don't know how to deal with that but then I think you've then got to move on and try and find someone that does understand it because there are lots of people in life that don't and probably i was one of those you know when i was in my mid-20s i probably thought what's all that about people are talking about depression and stress and really but then boom you've got no control over it at all it just hits you sneaks up on you doesn't it it's,
1: it's, it a, it's a sneaky little, it's a sneaky little sod because in your head it you does. think, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, like, but then you'll start noticing that you might be drinking more, or you might be turning to drugs, or you might be having angry outbursts, or you know, in your case, you might not feel anything, you know, when you should be elated, and yeah. and it's and it's not until you get someone who points it out to you that you go, oh yeah, mm. I didn't realise that. Up until that point, you just you just you you just you it's your that's you that's your personality that's how you slipped mm-hmm. into it. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it it does take an event, and you know, I'm glad in your case it was a case of you speaking to, you know, speaking to a family member and and them sort of pointing it out to you. But you know, in many other cases around this industry, people just don't yeah. do that, and it, they take drastic measures. You know,
0: I mean, I've been really lucky that um partner that I'm with now, my girlfriend now, has been ridiculously supportive we've only been together a year or so a year and a half something like that and um it's she you know she's only known me in that kind of mentality and yeah fair play she stuck around and she's helped me massively and you know told her things probably that my own family don't know my own friends don't know and that that's important. You just you need good people around you, and it's more important yeah. than, than than food and cooking and bits like that. And that's kind of where I think I just got a bit self-obsessed, really, as well, where I was. And at the end of the day, I'm not saving anyone's life, you know. Doctors and nurses, you see them the last twelve months. What an amazing job they've done. We're just cooking food, <laughs> like we are just cooking food. Like, and it has to be put a bit more like that by by people that get self-obsessed you know you're cooking dinner for someone and then you're no different to your granny who used to cook your dinner or it is is all right you want to be the best you want to do the best you can you want to get a reputation be known and I think you know, I've had some amazing places, and the places that stick with me are places where the chef's the most humble and, and chilled out, and willing to come out and have a chat or walk you around the kitchen and and just be normal and just realise actually, I oh, he's a chef actually. Yeah, let's let's talk about something we've got in common. And there's not enough of that. There's not enough of that. There's a lot of people that and they think think they're somewhat special on a pedestal because they've got two Michelin stars or three Michelin stars. but Or it could be anything. It could be no accolade. It could be nothing. But they, I don't know. They've got this perception that I'm a chef, so I need to come across like a bit of a dick. And it's a lot less now. Like I said earlier, it's a lot less now than when I started, but it's still out there. It's still out there. It's where that it's where that pride starts to then
1: become an yeah. the ego. And yeah. and the yeah. ego as you say, one you know, you get blinkered and you end up actually losing sight of not not just in what's important because there's different mm. things that are important to different people. For example, yeah. you know, if you are chasing an accolade and you're feeling challenged and it's not too much and you don't feel like you're sacrificing, you know, your security or your finances or, you know, and you've got a good team around you, then you might feel like you're perfectly you know, mm. healthy in terms of physical and mental health. Yeah. But it's where you start to find that that detriments you and you lose sight of the peripheral as well because as you just said pointed out like eloquently is that you perhaps were unaware of other people who were going through something similar to yourself Mm -hmm. and one showing vulnerability helps those people you know open up about this particular subject matter but two because you're so laser focused on something you actually probably miss quite a few signs that could make make it easier for your team to perform better because if you address yes. those issues and help those people then the chances are that they'll perform better and they'll be with you for longer so it's yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i i get sick of the sound of my own voice sometimes always talking about mental <laughs> health being like you know oh mental health is a big key focus and people are like oh here he comes he's, you know he's, he's going to be talking about mental health again but yeah. if we realize that actually this is this is the pivot point if we can mm. if we can make sure that our staff are, are not just mental but physically healthy as well,
2: mm-hmm. then all
1: of a sudden they're happier, your business is happier, your customers are happier, your profit margins are happier. It's such mm. a simple, you know, it's a simple target, really. I'm not gonna yeah. say a solution because it's different for yeah. each person and each each business, but yeah. you know, people people are your key asset. You can take down the walls and the people will still come to yeah. to visit your establishment whatever shape
0: or form it's in because of the people. Yeah. And absolutely and I, and I'm that's kind of for me the most important thing. for people. Um I like I say, I've I've left an opportunity that some people will be thinking, is he mental? Like he's walked away from something that could have been so amazing. But I can do it again. Do you know what I mean? It's it's I could go and open somewhere else and do the same again. It's got to be right, you know. I, I took a, I took a few people of the team with me, um, and you know, I want, I wanted best for them. And my sous chef had been with me for seven years. He's gone off to be head chef now, place of his own in, in Cheltenham, and yeah, I'm just really proud that he's gone off and. And he's doing his own thing, and I hope to work with him again one day. You know, I spoke about I've got a potential project coming up later in the year, but again, we'll only do that if it's right. I've kind of had I've had a taste for it now and know what's right and wrong. And yeah, I've left. I've left for the right reasons, and that's to protect people, not me. You know, that's in some people's eyes might damage my reputation, but. I couldn't care less, really, because I've gone out doing the best I can for my team. And, yeah, that's the most important thing. And and now I get to see a little bit more of my lad and actually see friends that I've probably neglected for years, which, which has been nice, actually. It's been nice going out the last couple of weeks as hospitality's opened and seeing what people are doing and going out with friends and realising... Yeah, I quite like you. I remember I liked you. And uh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's refreshing for seven years. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's refreshing. It's also nice to go out to hospitality because when you're in it, you don't actually get to go out that much. You don't get to see Mm -hmm. it much. It's quite nice to actually see what's going on in the world. So yeah, loving it from that aspect.
1: Oh, good on you, man! And I appreciate that you—you know—you've yeah, been you. able to come on here and talk about your own experiences as well. And I know even the term mental health or mental illness is a is a struggle for some people to say, but you know, calling yeah. a spade a spade, you know, yeah. I think I genuinely do think that if you ever have experienced a mental health issue, then yeah. it's a, it's a superpower because all of a sudden you're more acutely aware of something that's so prevalent within this industry, and in fact. People who have had mental health issues and and are are still dealing with mental health issues are probably actually your best option, and yeah, you should be employing these people because the chances are we're the ones that can actually help you help you improve your business. Absolutely.
0: Um, Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah,
0: I I think yeah, two years ago I wouldn't have been able to to do this and talk about it, and I'm in a position where I can, so I may as well talk about it as much as possible for everyone with it but I may as well talk about it and, and potentially help someone that's listening and thinking oh actually yeah I should probably I should probably do something about it so I'm hoping yeah. that comes with this if it does great.
1: I think I think it does, mate. Your your voice and and anyone's voice on this particular subject matter, I think, is powerful. And there aren't enough people at the moment speaking out on the, on their own experiences because the chances yeah. are, as you say, if it can reach one person, and that one person goes, oh, do you know what? I resonate with that. There's there's things that 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 person was talking about during their journey that I do, and perhaps I need to, you know, perhaps I need to to address that. Um yeah. I think then then, you know, that's the aim. And the ironic thing is is nine times out of ten we'll never know about it either. No, you know. No, exactly. So exactly that's important. Is yeah, I mean there's
0: there's gonna be people that probably watch this and that I've worked closely with them and go, hmm, I didn't know that. And and that's that's also a little bit of a shame that I couldn't talk to them about it because I didn't feel like I could at the time. But yeah, I, I hope that enough people are listening that it
1: will it will help i hope anyway well the key thing to remember mate is it doesn't define you um yeah yeah, you know i i have asthma yeah you know at the end of the day do you go oh that's chris he's he's got asthma his lungs don't work properly you (laughs) know no they go oh he's founded the burnt chef project or he's you know a guy with blonde hair and blue eyes that's that's what defines you yeah but and mental health is no different to physical health. It's, yeah, so what? You know, I, I experienced bouts of anxiety and I've been depressed in the past and I've had a personality crisis where I didn't know which way was up or down or what, what, you know, who I was. But you wouldn't look any differently at that you or you wouldn't look any differently at me. You yeah. know, it's not... It's not what defines you, it's your actions in life and, mm. you know, the things that you say and do that define you ultimately.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So, you know, big ups to you to be able to talk openly about it. I mean, in, in terms of the last question that I have for you, which is the same question I ask every, every guest and I'm going to yeah. ask you, um, is if you were to give some advice to that sort of 16-year-old or back, back even earlier when you started in the kitchen, if you were to give some advice to a younger version of yourself,
0: what yeah. things
1: have you learned along your journey that you'd be able to say to a younger version of yourself now?
0: Um, I'd probably say go into it with an open mind. I remember my my dad, even though we we ran a pub, trying to talk me out of it, saying... You'll never have a life, and you'll always be working, and blah blah blah. But you know, I still manage to have a life as well, and you know, I still manage to go and watch my favourite football team, and have a family and a, a child, and you know, build relationships with people. It's still, it's still, uh, it's still a thing. It's just maybe not as much as the normal nine to five, Monday to Friday worker um i think there's no industry like it in terms of a team if you're in if you find somewhere with the right team there's literally nowhere like it you'll do anything for any of the individuals on the team and you'll do anything for the business that you work at i think that's important is finding a chef you know a head chef really that Wants to invest their time in you. You know, I found that I was really lucky. And if you're willing and bright and ask loads of questions, you'll always do well. And I, I think you'll know, you know, in an interview, you'll know if that chef wants to invest his or her time in you. And I think, you know, follow your gut instinct, don't just go to one place. You know, offer, bring multiple places, send emails to multiple places. Can I come, you know, if you're, if you're young and not currently in a job, what's, what's the harm in going and doing a day to open your eyes to it or let them see what you're like? You know, I'd say so many people now think they're owed something, you know, but gaining knowledge is invaluable. So don't go with the mindset of I'm going for a day, can I get paid? Go for the mindset of I'm going to go and witness something special, learn what I can. And if I if I love it, then I'll pursue it. And I think that's important. You know, I think if more young people were like that, we'd be probably be in a better position. And I think that could be helped by schools and colleges and Getting chefs, you know, getting chefs to go into schools and colleges and, you know, young young adults that are interested in cooking. Get them more interested. You know, you can spot straight away who's, who's interested in cooking at school and who's not. Well, why not bring in chefs? Why not bring in people that have experienced stuff in the industry? You know, get them excited about stuff. Then there'll be more people willing to get into it. When I was at when I was at school, particularly, if you didn't know what you wanted to do, they send you to catering. You know. Or the army. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What job do you want to do? I don't know. Well, oh, you'd make a great chef. Um, and then, that has to change. That has to change. And I think that's the whole yeah. like, the reset thing that I was saying. You know, it's, it's everything. It's everything. But I think if you're yeah. if you're young, if you're young and you find the right kitchen, don't rush. Don't. You know, I'm a fine one to talk. I, Took over a pub when I was twenty-one, twenty-two as head chef, but I still grew up in one, and I was doing it from a really young age. But the, the people that think they should be a a head chef, sous chef, after working a year, you know, not right. You know, it's the same as being a a carpenter, a builder, or whatever. You do your you do your apprenticeship. You know, you, you work you work in modules, you do this, and it's exactly the same in a kitchen. You've got to you've gotta learn it, then you've gotta do it, and you've got to prove you can do it, and then you learn the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And there's no point in rushing. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and don't be in a
0: rush as well. Like yeah.
1: I, I think the, one of the great things about this industry is that front of house, back of house, if you <laughs> if you phone up a business and be like, I want to come and work with you for a day or a week just to gain some experience and see what you're like. And you, you know, the great thing about this industry and it's not like any other industry I've been in, is that you can do that and then you can get mm-hmm. a taste of different things, build up. Like if you were to work in six different places over the course of say six months,
2: mm-hmm. you've
1: got such a diverse idea then in your head of what a good employer looks like, what a bad employer looks like, what, you know, what sort of food yeah. you want to do, what sort of team you want to mm-hmm. be part of. And then you can make a conscious decision so that when you do walk into a building, you can smell, smell what you need and what you want from a mile. Yeah. Up. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, like we should use that to our advantage like massively say especially now when people are looking for you know looking for for staff as well like you get yeah. to try businesses at a time when they're busy but also at the same time when you know you can really see what their metals like as well yeah. Um, yeah. and t- test test them during you know and also provide some assistance to an industry at the moment that really needs it yeah without any risk of detriment to yourself like because you can't yeah. just walk away at any particular point yeah
0: absolutely
1: that's, that's a good answer mate i like that a lot and you covered a lot of bases in in that one so thank you very much for it um project. and uh yeah i guess i mean for me i'll be keeping keeping an eye on on your uh your next next projects and keeping in touch and if there's anything else that you know you you fancy sharing or that you'd like to add on to this we can add it onto the notes and. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much for your for your honesty and your transparency and, and sharing your sharing your story as well.
0: Absolute pleasure. It was, it was good to have a chat.
1: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Burnt Chef Journal. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but in the meantime, if you wanted to learn more about the Burnt Chef Project, please head over to our website, www.theburntchefproject.com, where we have a range of merchandise which is designed to create awareness. We offer training modules. We also provide support services and also you'll find access to our online app which is free to use internationally. Do feel free to give us a follow and a like on social media and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week.